smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. 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 Oh God! Uh, I am one Sorry, of your co-hosts, co-hosts, Cliff Schechter, <laughs> along with my other co-host, John Aravos. Hey, John. Hi, Cliff. I, you know, I always tell Cliff, stop coming drunk to the podcast. But I know. It's the morning, I, I, and that's a lot to ask. So I snuck some of uh, Trump's Adderall cocktail from that pro- from that press exactly. conference yesterday. I'm, I'm just shooting stuff out. Okay. Okay. I missed the shooting out of the nose thing. Everyone keeps talking about it. There's yeah, some video. Yes, it looks like How a did I miss crack it? cocaine rock went shooting out of his nose. Okay. Come back I'll and check it out. It's fun. Um, and uh, beyond all of our, our fun back and forth here, we actually are lucky enough to have a really good guest today. Friend of mine. I don't want to say old friend, of course, but let's say friend for a while. Uh, Jason Box. Jason, how long have we known each other? 20-something years? Oh, You're still there, right? Oh, ah, Jason got – Jason, you muted oh, yourself sorry. somehow. That was awesome. He wasn't Sorry expecting us that. to come in so soon. Uh, I'll introduce uh, the rest of who you are, but yeah, I, okay, I'll just tell people. Jason and I were in grad school together at Columbia. He was a poli sci guy. I was an international affairs guy, and somehow we ended up in D.C. together for a while and working in the crazy world of politics at the same firm. So Jason was a you know, global strategy group, and polling is what we're talking about here. Jason stayed yep. the course and is, yep. is as good as it gets in understanding numbers. Global strategy group eventually went on to the Glover Park Group, another uh, large outfit in the D.C. area, and finally ran the the office of PSB, another big pollster in D.C., before setting out on his own. Is it 3D Insights now that you're running, Jason? 3W. Man, oh, you have a job. I got, I got <laughs> like, the number right, but the letter wrong. 3W Insights, though. Um, and I would recommend to anybody, whether on the nonprofit, political, corporate side, you want to know numbers, Jason's your man. Hey, man, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, because we are lucky enough to have Jason, I'll kick it to John for a second to throw topics. Yep. But just so you know, we're going to talk to Jason about numbers because yep. that's what he does. But why don't you tell me what we're thinking about here, John? Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to start with polling overall, I think. That would probably make the most sense. Um, and then number of different stories that are not necessarily poll related on their face, but Jason could have input on. Um, obviously, we've got to talk about the blockbuster Atlantic story this weekend about Trump calling the troops losers and suckers. Um, also, uh, vaccine by the election, whether that's even feasible. Trump's obviously trying to politicize it. And no, those are the, sort of the two big topics and a number of fun topics, including boats that sink. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, first, I mean, Jason, let's, let's start with polling. Let me, can I, let me step back first and ask you a general polling question. Okay. Obviously. Sure. I say, obviously, I think over the last years, and then culminating in 2016 certainly didn't help. People are very leery of polls. They don't believe them. And I think there's even a concern that polls uh, polls may even be influencing the race, which is like the right. really anathema thing, right? I mean, it, it's sort of in science, it's the Heisenberg uncertainty principle hits polling, right? right? I mean, that, that by polling, you're actually influencing the race. But at the very least, we shouldn't trust the polls. And they're saying Biden's ahead. And oh, my God, that means we're all going to die. Should we trust polls? Wow. On the heels of we're all going to die. Yeah, yeah, you should trust polls. Um, I think so. I think one of the things that got overlooked in 2016, and I was actually on election day in 2016, I was in uh, England trying to explain 
what happened and honestly <laughs> also doing it within the frame within the framework of what happened with the Brexit election. And it was actually two very similar things. So mm -hmm. I would say at a macro level, you should trust polls. Polls are, believe it or not, they're scientific. Um, and what people sort of gloss over is that if you looked at the national polls, the polls were right. They said that Clinton had roughly a one and a half, two point lead going into the election. She won by one and a half or two points. The problem is um, we don't have a national election for president. And uh, what we knew going into the polls in 2016 was there had been such a voracious appetite for national numbers, for horse race numbers, that the networks, CNN and NBC and, uh, and even Fox, they cut budget on their state polls because they oh. really wanted to focus on national. So what, oh. what ultimately happened was we just had less data at the state level and the less data you have, the more room for margin of error. And so you, you're dealing with more wildly varied, uh, variated numbers. Is variated even a word? Varied numbers. Mm -hmm. um, Works for me. So, variegated. So, so, <laughs> yeah, numbers yeah, and stripes. I mean, I, I'm a, <laughs> let's talk about Adderall and Trump. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. So, yeah, so I think the, the short answer is yes, you can trust polls. You know, I spent a lot of time. Uh, in the last few months and in the last few hours, to be fair, uh, looking at today's polls versus the polls in 2016. And I think there are a couple of things that are really worth noting. Oh, yeah, one is, um, one is, is that as a pollster, I, I will speak for my community, for my people. Um, <laughs> we're, we are, we are um, much more skeptical of the data as we, as we look at it today than we were in 2016. And we, really have embraced the idea of what are the lessons learned. I think there were a number of different areas where there were sort of gaps in the polling that we didn't account for. I think the biggest one, or at least the one that caught the most ink coming out of 2016 was education, that you had this massive gap of non-college voters who the polls just kind of missed. And... Um, uh, and that resulted in, in missing some of the lower, the state level races. So I think a lot of the pollsters today have paid a lot more attention to education uh, and education by race, because there's a big difference between a non-college black voter and a non-college white voter. That all said, if you look at the differences between 2016 and 2020, um, and actually there's a really great article in Real Clear Politics uh, that was written from a guy out of Stanford that looks at it. The big difference between 2016 and 2020 is that Biden has just crushed all the gaps. Uh, if you look at the age gap, if you look at the gender gap, the race gap, the education gap, Biden is has closed or expanded all of those gaps. So the fact so that meaning meaning now, uh, I'm sorry, but let me just sorry. jump in meaning demographics yeah, yeah. where typically Republicans are doing better than us. Biden has closed that uh, that that, that, that is exactly and opened up even larger exactly gaps right. in the areas where we tend to do better, like gotcha. single college educated women, and you know that kind of thing. Okay, that's with an exact, exception to exactly which I'd right. love for you to talk about, Jason, because the one thing I did notice is is he's not doing as well. Maybe there's no way to explain this or whatever hmm. with Latino Latina voters, which is you know hmm. he doesn't have the same margin, and that's a little frustrating. Um, and we don't I don't know it exactly. Is, why. 
it, it is do. frustrating. And, and, and maybe I'll try to say this a little more eloquently than our former vice president did when he was talking about demographic differences. Um, but the, be nice, the Latino, be nice. Uh, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be politic here. The, the Latino community, uh, the Hispanic community is, it is not in any way homogenous, uh, that right. Latinos in New York are a lot different than Latinos in Florida are a lot different than Latinos in Texas. <clears throat> so when you're looking at how the president is currently doing with Latinos yeah. compared to Biden, it's, it's, you really have to take into it's account. It's too much of a generalization. Actually, can I, can, I make a generalization. Point? What, can I make a point? And this is the finer point, uh, Trump. Biden did not sufficiently explain. I think Latinos, I say this as a fluent Spanish speaker, Latinos in America are still an immigrant community. Blacks in America, other than a small percentage of actual immigrants, are not an immigrant community anymore. They're they're like Californians. They're just Americans with That's their own exactly unique right, culture, John. right? I mean, they're still culturally black, a lot of them in the way that I'm culturally, you know, Greek or Midwestern, but I'm still Greek. They're not, it's not as strong of an immigrant tie, I think, as you've got with Latinos. There you go. No, and you actually, even with the and Latino he did not explain that. See, yeah. No. He didn't. And I like a lot of times the, the media will take yep. this stuff out of context and they'll beat the crap well, out it, of you. It sounded um, inartful. I don't know if we, Cliff, if you can even find the quote. It sounded inartful what Biden said. And even what I said wasn't clear, close enough. What he actually meant was because Latinos are still an immigrant community, each nation they came from influences their culture and even their political votes and what they care about. South right. Americans that, care about different things way, than Central Americans. Then, yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's Cubans, not the way that Joe it. Biden talks, right? Um, Correct. He does not, not get into his body, yes. but he doesn't talk that way. <laughs> the um, detailed lawyerly nuance, within, yes. <laughs> right. But even Sorry, within the Hispanic community, with, no, even within the Hispanic community, not only do you have those cultural differences based on country of origin uh, and where they tend to aggregate within the, within the United States, you also have this really interesting gap. There's a big difference uh, philosophically, culturally, ideologically between first generation Latinos, second generation Latinos, and third generation Latinos yes. to the point where third generation Latinos don't even majority speak Spanish. That they are they are English first homes, whereas yeah. first generation, you know, first generation. So there's right. just, there's so many dis discrepancies. My very large, very long, poorly put point there is that I'm not yet ready to to look at how Latinos are breaking out in this election, and I'm not willing to write them off. One because I just think that we don't really <clears throat> understand how they're going to vote, uh, and two, there's look, there are more culturally conservative community than. Yeah. Pretty much every other church going links to the Catholic Church yeah. and and so on yeah. On, on. yeah, on social issues, more conservative, and that sometimes is part of the poll. Uh, I think. Yeah, you and, see I think and I think. Go ahead. Biden's going to win. Biden's going to win that group, guys. He's just not going to win it ninety-five right. to five like he's going to win the African American community. Right. That was the point I was trying to make. Uh, maybe I made it inartfully, which is not that he's not performing. And he's not going to win them and win them by a pretty decent margin. It's just that he's not right now the only the only sort of demographic group. And you're right. Maybe it just needs to be split out more um, than it is. But the only demographic group I've seen where Biden is underperforming what Hillary did four years ago is yeah. among that group. Every other group he's overperforming that I've seen or at least is. Well. And, and 
And the only place where it's really going to hurt, and I, I don't mean to discount any one community over another. I mean, let's be honest. If Biden doesn't overperform with Hispanics, it's not going to cost him California. It's not going to cost him New Mexico. It's not going to cost him Arizona, which is a really interesting data point, by the way. Uh, it's not going to cost him New York. It's not going to cost him anywhere where Hispanics tend to be more highly concentrated. It will make things more interesting in Florida, but that Hispanic vote, the Cuban-American vote, that was always going to be a challenge for him. The way he counters that is by crushing it in the villages. And I got to be honest with you, he's doing a lot better with seniors than Hillary was this time. That's correct. I mean, he's, we've talked about that. He's, he's overperforming now to the point of where he's actually winning seniors by a decent margin. You may have those numbers in front of why, you. I, and I why don't. is that? Why is that uh, uh, for Jason? Why is Biden doing uh, so much I better think, with seniors? Is it coronavirus uh, or – uh, well, certainly it's it's partially coronavirus. Uh, I mean, if I'm being indelicate, I think uh, Trump has probably killed off a lot of his senior voters. Um, yeah. Indelicate, Jason. We uh, like you. Uh, <laughs> you, you mean quite literally? Or, yeah, I, I mean quite he literally. He killed off yeah. a lot of his senior voters. Um, I, I think there is, and I've I've done some local polling. I haven't done any. I haven't done any national polling, but I've done some local polling. And what's interesting to me is that seniors are their number one issue is health care, and Trump has been abysmal on not only the policy of health care, but even talking about health care. He's what been about terrible. That plan he had seven weeks ago that was going to be here in two weeks. That's not quite here yet, but I'm sure it's. I had a I had a I had a, gen, I had a gender reveal party. For t- yeah, yeah, I had I had a gender reveal party for the release of that health care plan, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I ended up I ended up burning down my apartment building. But I was very disappointed. Oh my, you're gonna get us in trouble, Jason. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so I, I think seniors are a group that traditionally Trump would have expected to do well with, but health care is a huge issue for them. And when you've got 190,000 people dead and a lot more coming, that influences their vote. So, uh, and I think what the other thing that I'm encouraged by in all of this polling that's come out is it's Trump. It's, it's not that Trump is Trump is doing badly and Biden is actually not hurting himself. But even if you look at the Stars and Strikes poll that came out that shows that that Biden is winning among people who are serving in, in the military like right. that is that is crazy town. Democrats that's never happened win. right in the history of Democrats oh, don't know since they've been keeping no. track. I don't think Democrats have won. No, 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 I no, Democrats do not. Democrats do not win that. So it's not that like, Biden has increased hmm. his lead with groups that he's supposed to win. He has closed the gap, if not overcome the gap, with groups that were toss-up groups. And right. then, my God, if Trump loses the military vote, I mean, look, there. It's not that big of a group, but what it represents, the sort of totem, uh, is massive. And I will. I am hopeful that we will all look back on last Friday as the actual turning point in the election, because that Atlantic story and everything right. that came out after it, that's going to leave. I, I wouldn't slam a door that hard. That's going right. to leave a mark. Let, let me ask you quickly before we yeah. get to that. Yeah, I just want to get wanna, the actual yeah, numbers ahead, because I remember yeah. them. The, the the poll that was done, I don't remember who did it, of, of um, <clears throat> active duty soldiers had Biden at 43 had Trump at 37 and the rest were kind of undecided and whatever. And I know that may not sound like a huge margin, but again, folks, this is a, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't have a poll in front of me if Hillary Clinton lost that group by 20 to 30 points. So the fact that Biden was winning by six points is incredible. Go ahead now, John. Well, actually, let me, yeah, I wonder, before we jump into the Atlantic story and let's do that in like 30 seconds with 
how Biden, you guys both just talked about how Biden has done much better with a number of different groups and the very disparate groups, right? I mean, seniors, military, I mean, just you know, a number of different communities. White people, white people. Okay, yeah. there you go, white people, right? And white men, I mean, even, right? I mean, it's better. Only white yeah. people, I think, right now by three points in the last poll I saw. That would be in, insane. And is that usually because of white men, I'm assuming? I mean, yes. much versus yeah. women, right? Yeah. I mean, the gender now, gap, the gender yeah. gap is going to be massive. Now, here's my question for you, though. Is this because of something overall with regards to Trump? Or do you think there's almost been a perfect storm for each community that Trump's pissed them off, like the Atlantic story, which we'll talk about right now for the military and other military things, like, um, you know, making comments about uh, cutting all funding for Social Security and Medicare? Right. I mean, or like you said, like the coronavirus, which we had that big scare a couple months ago where everybody was talking about, let's just let the seniors die. In other words, did each community have its own like perfect storm or is there some larger shift in feelings about Trump that somehow have have brought all boats down to allude to another story we're going to get to? I I think we, we are know? all a little yeah. well. We don't know. There, I, I would argue there is not a specific like the X to Y. Like there, you know, this caused this community shift, and that caused that, the other community right. shift. I think what we have is, uh, and it definitely is a perfect storm. You've got a candidate uh, in the president who's just an awful human being. We all knew that's not news. We knew that in 2016. The right. difference today is that he's an awful human being who's killed a lot of people. So you've got sort of that part of the equation. And then the other part of the equation is a lot of these groups you mentioned could not bring themselves to vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016. And Joe Biden is just a much less, he's just a much less divisive character. So all the, all the advantages that a Democrat should have had in 2016, um, but did not come to fruition because there was the Hillary factor. Joe Biden, he's benign. He's a nice guy. He's a granddad. You know, he is not turning voters off. And so a lot of these swing groups, particularly suburban women, uh, are are have been given permission to vote against Donald Trump Hmm. um, because they don't think that Joe's going to hurt them. And now a quick break for for. Yeah, a quick a quick word i was gonna say a quick break from our sponsor i guess that kind of works a quick word from our sponsor so cliff bacteria and viruses live everywhere your phone everywhere. earbuds car keys every, everywhere apparently uh phone earbuds car keys groceries packages wallet even your face mask sanitizing these items is an important part of staying safe and healthy but it can also mean using harmful chemicals that constantly need to be to be, be, be. I'm just Bugs Bunny today that need to be replaced. The clean phone line, I, I don't know what's going on. The clean phone line of products changes all that. The clean phone brand offers a full range of sanitizing products that use ultraviolet light. This is the same technology used to sanitize hospital rooms and medical equipment. The clean phone products have been tested by independent laboratories and provide the best quality UV sanitizing for every need. The clean phone is a device designed for phones and household items. It even works as a wireless charger for your cell phone. <clears throat> and now... Add the new clean phone wand, a portable handheld unit that can go anywhere. 
and be used to I, they need to get a vibrating version, but whatever um, can be used anywhere and be used to sanitize tablets, computers, packages, groceries, and more. Uh, go to the new to select the right clean phone products for you. Get free FedEx two day shipping and an added bonus. Get 10% off FDA authorized respirator face masks. Go Sweet. to the new deal shop. Sweet. Go to the new Now that's free FedEx two day shipping and a bonus 10% off FDA authorized respirator face masks at the new Go there now. And now back to Jason. What is Jason's last name? Boxed. Boxed. Jason boxed to talk about polls. And I, I do have to jump in here and say, this is where I feel compelled yeah. to point out that I do think mm-hmm. Biden is, is in some way, in a lot of ways, a better candidate than Hillary is overall. Um, fewer, you know, hard edges. I don't know how you, how one would put it, but you know, he's just got that whole sort of empathy thing going on and all that. But it's important to point out that, that some of what happened in 2016, a big part of what happened was sexism. Um, sure. Which, which, you know, oh, and then, and second of all, um, they'd been running. They they literally had a a twenty to thirty year branding campaign against Hillary as an hmm. evil witch who wanted to eat your right. children, and they couldn't get that. <laughs> that machine only Basically, got started yeah. on Biden about six months to a year ago. Yep. So yep. yeah, you know, you have to. I think. I mean, yep. again, uh, I think we have to factor all of that in and why Biden has an easier time among a lot of these groups too. Well, it's it's honestly, and, Cliff. It's a lot of concerns that I think some people on the left had with Biden. Biden was trying to play them to his advantage, and so far he has in terms of – remember, we were even saying, Cliff, you and I were saying – I was saying, I think you were too, that you know the Democratic candidate should have been saying, haven't you just had enough? Wouldn't you just like you know a Buttigieg or a Biden who you feel like they're just going to kind of be calm? So and, would you just want a normal human where there will be some quiet you – know, <laughs> Well, and that has worked for – go jump in, Jason, but I think that has worked well, for Biden ironically. I think it works up and down the ticket. So I did a real, I did a <clears throat> survey in a very small swing district in a swing southern state, and one of the things that I noticed, and it had, and it had. Can an you say what state, on, or is that too much of uh, information? Uh, I'll, I'll say it's Georgia, but okay. I don't want to get any close. I don't want to get any more specific. Okay, than that's that. okay. Uh, but what the polling showed us, and and it was it was illuminating, <clears throat> the negative messages that we tested on Trump did not fare as well as the positive messages for our candidate with a message of, I'm tired, I'm going to stand up to the politics of division. I think people are just sick and tired and sick and tired. And, you know, you haven't really heard Biden come out with a lot of negative stuff. He doesn't have to. Uh, You don't have to define a candidate who has already defined himself as an awful, awful person. Right. So the strategy here, and I think you're going to see it up and down the ballot in every state in every state in November, is Democratic candidates don't have to throw crap at their opponent, and they don't even have to explicitly tie their opponent to Trump. I think it's a soft, it's a bank shot, right? It is, I'm tired of the politics of hate. I'm tired of the politics of right. division. We need somebody who's going to stand up and bring us all together. All people mm-hmm. want is a, they want to break. They want to break from all the negativity. And Trump embodies, for the vast majority of Americans, the negativity that is wearing us all out. 
I think that's, okay. I mean, a lot of stuff that I've seen in polling, public polling, I've looked at and that kind of thing, that is exactly what you end up seeing. It's sort of like the screaming, the insulting, the tweeting, the, it's just the constant drama, the constant sort of, you know, roller coaster <laughs> ride. Like, take the racism and all the other stuff yeah. out of it. And obviously, we're not talking about people like us who knew who we were voting for both times. Uh, from the once we once we knew who had the nomination on the Democratic side, because the other side is a Republican and b Donald Trump. Um, but I, I think people that thought the roller coaster ride might be a little bit of fun back in 2016 really have seen that it's not so much fun more fun when some guys just saying stupid shit and breaking you know breaking stuff that's interesting to you and and going against traditions you maybe found stupid or fake but you know when you're when people you know are getting covid and dying and it and, and it the the you know look it, the polling right now is also showing and i mean obviously tell me if i'm wrong on this jason but what i've seen is it's very clear people know you know the difference they know what he's doing they you know i mean they they're most people including a large chunk i don't remember what percent it was of republicans are in favor of mask wearing and think that the president should be encouraging oh it, yeah discouraging it you know like you yeah. see these things and and you know he that's where he's losing suburban voters that's where he's losing elderly voters who are like you're killing my friends you know you're putting and my remember by the way and yeah and, and remember those republicans that you're seeing in the polls that are that are you know a majority are, are in favor of wearing masks those are Rep the remaining republicans you got to remember something like 20 to 25 percent of republicans who may have self-identified as a republican in 2016 no longer self-identify as a republican so you're you're talking about the kool-aid drinkers believe right. in mask wearing right 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 right. and that's a great point to make actually because people screw that up often and they try to make it so that it, it's this partisan battle you know like well why is it that biden's getting so few i've seen so many people do that uh in bad faith you know often on the right or right. glenn greenwald types you're like look he's only getting six percent of republicans or whatever it's like yeah that may be because he's getting all these people that once were republicans that are now gone you know uh and they're not liberal are anywhere from sort of moderate to sometimes actual conservative white yeah. men who never have voted for a Democrat before and never would have even contemplated it. Um, but they can't stand the, the the corruption or the incompetence or the combination of, you know, of all of these things, the lying. The, so, I mean, it is interesting in, in that way. And we'll have to see more, obviously, how all of it plays out. But, yep. Uh, do you want to talk, John, about uh, what? Let's, let's, let's go or, full bore into – well, let's go into the Atlantic. We talked about the Atlantic art. We mentioned we were going to sort of dive into it a little bit. The Atlantic had a big story this weekend. <coughs> My eyes, of course, are crazy because why not? A big story this weekend in which uh, it was divulged that uh, well, basically Trump called the troops suckers and wounded warriors. Remember that big military parade he wanted to have? He didn't want wounded warriors there because people don't want to that you know they don't want to look at missing limbs and things he uh called vietnam vets and people who are troops who died in vietnam or are missing in vietnam suckers. You're, you're coming in and out to me here is that oh, interesting Jason, can you yeah hear i'm hearing that yeah i'm hearing that Ooh. too just want to make sure you i mean that. it's yeah i'm gonna push the button you know what's funny jason was doing that a little bit for me too i hope the connection overall isn't getting weird so right. I haven't heard Jason yeah. do that. It's weird. I don't know if it oh means it's your internet, John, but I've heard you. Oh boy. Here. Yeah, I hope it's not. Oh, right, well, if you know what I know, you know what we'll do if I mean if my net totally dies, 
I'm going to have to call in by phone and you just keep talking. If I disappear, you know, we'll talk all about, I know John. that'll be hard for you, Cliff. Exactly. Well, no. So in a nutshell, yeah. Called uh, soldier, our troops who died in Vietnam or killed in action suckers because they didn't get out of the war. Like he did. Um, he didn't want to go to the military cemetery outside of Paris, world war one cemetery because it was raining and it would have messed his hair. And he has a larger problem with uh, people who died in, in the military because basically they're losers if they died. They didn't right. win. They got shot and killed. Um, it goes on. Um, but I think what has been interesting, uh, Cliff and Jason both, has been the pushback has been wild on the Trump side. I mean, they, you know, they get, well, they, they get how bad this is. They and, know. And the important they thing. They know. Yeah. <laughs> why, is it, why is it so bad, though? Why is this new? Well, let me say so, something. Cliff, why is this so bad? Yeah. Well, so so look, already, as, as we were talking about, he's losing – he was losing among active duty soldiers, which is insane. Already veterans are a large group that he – that I, I haven't seen polling most recently, but he was doing much worse among uh, – let's start with many veterans are elderly and have the same concerns as other elderly voters. He's taking my Social Security. He's attacking my health care. He doesn't care about coronavirus. He, you know, he's willing to open up the economy even if it puts me at risk, you know, uh, doesn't care even, you know, even if uh, – uh, you know, just to help the economy or really not help the economy, but he thinks it will. And then you start adding on the, the sort of previous attacks on veterans, Gold Star Father, Kazir Khan, you know, uh, John McCain, and some of these things that showed where the loyalties are. And so, but the real thing here is, is that also is that as, as Jason can, you know, I'll let Jason go and talk in a second. What really moves numbers, it's the reason why conventions often do whatever, is saturation coverage of anything. One story, one little thing, you know, is one thing. But not only was the Atlantic story a bombshell, it was on every news outlet and even the, the national security correspondent on Fox confirmed it. Um, and it, the AP confirmed it, the Washington Post confirmed it. And then there were follow-up stories. The Washington Post did a follow-up story about another bunch of incidents where he'd insulted veterans, uh, at least one or two of which had not been reported yet. Uh, and so – what you had is for the last four or five days, it's been saturation coverage among uh, Trump to speaking terribly about a key group of people that he needs to win. And I, the last thing I'll say is I think it goes even beyond that because it doesn't matter where you stand on war, peace, whatever. Those of us on the left who think many of these wars are wrong, we still respect people who go and serve and found it, find it just unbelievably outrageous that you would go to a cemetery and insult their memories. So it goes beyond just the veteran community. It offends everyone. <clears throat> but you jump in, Jason, and, and add your... So I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's. I think there are two critical things here. One, and I'll start with your latter point first. Uh, you know, Gallup has done uh, trust in institutions research for decades. And consistently, the, the one institution, national institution, I'm using air quotes, uh, that, ha that has generated the greatest level of confidence, the greatest level of trust, is the armed services. So it's, to me, it's not even about having to win the military vote. It's about, am I allowed to curse on your podcast? Fucking A, yeah, baby. Okay. I can't believe I have to it's, curse. It's, about, God, it's yeah. about shitting. It's about shitting on a trusted U.S. institution at a time where every other institution has inspired a complete lack of faith. So yeah. that is yeah. that is huge. Uh, the second thing, and there are three things. The second thing is is that look, Trump has a history of saying stupid shit about the military, but there was always the ability to hide it under 
you know, they're being political. So whether it's the gold star dad at the DNC or whether it's right. John McCain, there, there was always some sort of political angle. There was no political angle here. This was just shitting on, it was him shitting on dead veterans. Like, you've got to be kidding me. And then third, the third point, I don't have the wherewithal to do this, but I'm very curious. I think the Trump campaign has to be counting its lucky stars that that story came out on a Friday. Because if that story came out on a Monday, he'd be fucking dead by now. The, the weekend actually tampered down the, the news report. Holiday weekend was, too, right? People were out right, about but, not watching the news. Yep. But Trump, but, but Cliff is right. This thing was covered across every major network, but the nail, the nail in the coffin was the corroborating report from Fox News. That, yeah. to tell, me, tell people, was what made that. the big difference. So the national uh, security reporter for Fox News, whose name I am now forgetting, uh, it's a woman, mm. uh, yeah. incredibly well-trusted in her profession by her colleagues at Fox, at Fox News. This is a woman who got, like, kidnapped reporters out of Gaza. Like, she is, she is uh, yeah, a stand-up. <laughs> she's legit. Um, and, and look, Fox News has legitimate journalists there. The problems I have with Fox News are editorial, not journalistic. Uh, but she came out and corroborated, you know, for, remember it was the Atlantic, right? The failing Atlantic with Steve Jobs you know, a widow. And then, right. And then you've got the failing Washington post, you know, and that's Bezos and all that. So, you know, okay, fine, whatever. And then Fox news comes out and says, uh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is true. Uh, and by the way, and, and to me, it also just kind of, do you think that people really don't think that this fucker said those things? I mean, look at the yeah. things that he yeah. has said in his career about the military and the things that he has done. I mean, this guy has done everything in his power to get out of service. He compared the Vietnam War to his, like, you know, battle against STDs in the 70s. Like, oh, yeah, the, the guy, yeah. The, yeah, there's 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 nothing in this guy's past that would undermine the the premise that he was talking shit about dead veterans. And so, say, of course, I, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. Finish up, Jason. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I'm just saying, I, I think that this is, again, this doesn't, and this doesn't go at those gaps that Biden would even try to, to, to close. This goes at the fabric of the belief system for a lot of Trump voters. And that's why they're scared because they know that they're going to lose a lot of seniors. They, they know they're going to lose a lot of, of Midwest Rust Belt white men, right? And and the and my last thing, and this is maybe the subject of another podcast. I'm tired of talking about the shy Trump voter. I think there's a shy Biden voter. I think well, that you, I can tell you. I drove. Yeah. I drive out from where I am in Cincinnati. Seriously, to some of my kids, uh, you know, where my kid has played soccer, forty minutes in either direction to to the more rural counties. And you know, I, I, it's funny. My wife and I were just talking about this last night. And it's like you think anybody out there is putting up a damn Biden sign? I mean, it's not like here in my neighborhood, my upper middle class, pretty well educated neighborhood. But if you put up a Trump sign, you may have somebody like roll their eyes at you and be like, "Oh, what an idiot." out there they might shoot you you know i mean i'm sorry but if you think that, that, that I, I would argue there's a hell of a lot of shy biden voters probably out there you know yep. i mean go ahead jason no I, I, i'm just agreeing with you i think that i think we we have to consider there are a lot of people who hmm. are truly conflicted they don't want to vote for a democrat but they know that trump is a douchebag and hmm. something like that atlantic report 
I think is going to be a tipping point for a not small percentage of voters who might have still considered voting for Trump. And they're sure as shit not going to share it with their neighbors or their or, or their or their Trumpy spouse. But they're going to walk into that. They're going to walk into that voting booth and they're going to hold their nose and they're going to vote right. for Biden. OK, and let maybe, me let me you want to say something, John, but yeah, I just go ahead, go ahead. it's also this yep. piece of analysis, which is because there's not nearly as big name third party candidates this time, like Gary Johnson, whatever. Most people probably couldn't tell you who the hell the libertarian candidate is. I would also Don't forget add, about Kanye, man. Kanye, come on. Well, he just got kicked off every ballot. So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. but I was going to say that it's also important to note not just the people who you know, will now maybe hold their nose and, and, and you know, we're saying I was going to vote for Trump. I was going to now I'll vote for Biden. But I, how about the people who maybe can't will not vote for Biden under any circumstances, but we're going to vote for Trump. And now just, you know, they, they may move to an area of not voting at all. Well, right? let me OK, let me, let me ask about that before before anybody answers. That was where I was going to. I thought we were saying in the age of Trump. A, because his polls just don't move much, his, his approval ratings, right? They've always been stuck in the low 40s, more or less. And B, you know, I don't want to say the nation's polarized because I hate when people do that, but we can't stand him. And anybody who can't stand Trump couldn't stand him for a long time now. Are there really that many people in the middle that even matter anymore that would swing back and forth? Yes. Well, in other words, very, in other words, sure people that this story yes. even matters for. No, <laughs> because the electoral college would be your answer. Yes, it was. Okay, just but both, both of you weigh in on that. I want Jason. Jason. Yeah, go Jason. First, Jason. So let me give you. So let me give you a couple of numbers. So in this time in 2016, seven among like numbers. White, sorry, I think you're uh, going to give us a couple uh, numbers. Seven and three. So sorry. So um, 42. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in 2016. Yep. Uh, in, in basically mid August, mid to late August, Hillary Clinton was getting somewhere around 30% of the under 30 white vote. Today, Biden's getting 62% of it. Wow. That is a massive gap. Yes, please show up. So and vote. there was, and, and now, well, like, now, now we know that youth hmm. don't vote. Fine. So let's talk about the 30 to 44 year old group. In 2016, again, white voters. Hillary Clinton in 2016, in 2016 was getting about 34% of the 30 to 44-year-old group. Biden today is getting 48%. Wow. There, there is absolutely uh, – so let's be very clear about what the swing vote is. The swing vote is somewhere between 35 and 45. They are white. They're not necessarily male. They're male or female. Uh, they live in suburbs, and they tend to go back and forth – um, at the presidential. So these are people who probably voted for Obama. They, they, vote, they voted for GW in 2004. They voted for Obama in 2008. Most of them also voted for Obama in 2012. And then they voted for Trump in 2016. And by all indications, this group is now moving and they're going to vote for, for Biden. Yeah, and another really important group, John, and I think we've talked about it here before. Uh, and again, I didn't tell Jason to prepare these numbers. He may know them, he may not. But there's a very important group, and it's often this the same group he's talking about, particularly white, um, it, it, more men than women, but and, and I would say center right to conservative, and they are what are known as double haters. They hate both. 
And in 2016, one of the reasons in the end, and I, I have to believe that, that Russia played some sort of a role in this, quite honestly, um, the, that played to their fears already of Hillary and all the other stuff, that the double, the double haters ended up who couldn't decide because they hated both broke for Trump something like 70 to 30 at the end. All right. Right. The other the poll that I saw the other day. And again, I can't believe these numbers will stay exactly like this. But I shit you not, I, I, I've rarely ever seen numbers like this. The double haters were, were at poll were, were at something like 92 to 5 for Biden. Literally almost like 90%, 9 out of 10 of them were like, I hate them both, but I have to vote for Biden. Now, again, that yeah. is not an unimportant number. That could be worth real votes in swing states. Yeah, I can't, I can't speak to that specific number, but you just said something, Cliff, that I think you guys need to – you have a platform. I don't. The national numbers are really sort of meaningless. They're they are they're cute, sure, but let's focus on swing states. All right, so let's look at let's look at the top six, what I would consider to be swing states in this election. States that Biden needs to win to to shut the door on Trump: Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, Wisconsin, and Arizona. All right, those to me are the six new like those are the states. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are other states, Georgia and Iowa, but but the, those are the six states that I think are going to make or break this election. Yeah. If you look okay. at the average of polls uh, in the most recent round of polls, Biden leads in every one of those states and the cherry on top. Come on, let's let's be serious. Arizona is not a Democratic state. I don't care how many Latinos are, are voting in this election. Arizona, it's where crazy people live. The Trump camp. <laughs> The Trump campaign just pulled out of I, uh, of Arizona. You want to know why? Their ads for a month. They they pulled out of Arizona for two reasons. One, they they increasingly see that they have no chance of winning. Two, McSally is down by thirty points. Yeah, she's getting crushed. It's so, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's almost, it's unbelievable. So I think it's really important uh, that we don't get caught up in all these national numbers the national numbers make for good like post-election books um but they have meaning as it pertains to the swing states so that's really the the ball on which our eyes must be kept and i would say six swing states you tell me what you think about it but i would be comfortable Hmm. saying right now that if the election were held today, and that's obviously the question because people point out time is, it, you know, matters, right? I mean, so you listen to someone like Nate Silver, who, who right now gives Biden a 73% chance of winning. And he said himself, the only reason why it's only 73% is because there's still two months left in the election. And he's like, if, if the election were next week, with the same exact numbers, the same exact polling numbers, everything else, he said, I'd have Biden at 93 or 94%. So you have to understand that that's a big part of this. And so let me get back to what I was saying. Right now, of those six states Jason named, the only one I wouldn't be completely comfortable saying that without a coup or without the kind of you know thing that happens in Belarus, if we have anything close to a fair election, even with them suppressing votes because they're going to do some of that, I would say that in five of those six, I'm very comfortable saying we would win. The only one where I'd give us a lean win but wouldn't be 100% sure is North Carolina because that's the only one that's that right now is a three-point or less uh, you know, Biden on top average. All the others are by big enough margins that I that I'd feel quite comfortable that Biden right. would win them. North Carolina would question. Win. Well, yep. still question for both. Sorry, question for both of you with regards to what Cliff just said. In 2016, I had a feeling in the last month that the support for Hillary was thin. 
meaning the polls felt like they were jumping around too much. And it was just my gut, but my gut said, I just don't like that. It's Hillary's up, Hillary's down, Hillary's up, Hillary's down. It just felt weird to me. Like maybe people weren't really committed. Um, Where you see things today, Cliff, Jason, both in terms of, you know, five of six states, Biden would win. If it were today, he'd win the election. Is that support solidifying in the same way Trump's base is solidifying? Or is it still wishy-washy where people could change their mind in two months? Or to what degree is early voting making it not matter if it's wishy-washy? Because it's locked in. Oh, there's so many Ooh. good questions in that. Um, so uh, two points. And Cliff jumped in. I like in that he gets excited about more. this stuff, Cliff. It's kind of cute. That's why Jason, Jason, I told you. No, holy Jason, like me, got, got started back about 20 years ago when we used to get invited in those ridiculous Fox debates. And he was smarter oh. than I was and stopped going on them sooner than I did. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, Jason, you still do like BBC. And I know you still do a lot of that stuff. Like, He's good at these things. I, I like I, talking about this it. stuff. Yeah, uh, so a couple of things. One, Biden's numbers are plus five over Hillary's numbers from four years ago. So, uh, And there is a higher level of voter enthusiasm on the Democratic side than there is on the Republican side right now. So that's interesting. One. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, huh. Two, um, there's a very interesting dynamic that you've laid out in terms of mail-in voting. So there are really three ways that people are going to vote in the presidential and all the other elections. They're either going to uh, use a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot or whatever you want to call it. Uh, they're going to vote early in, in person, right? They're going to find a polling place where the voting opens up early, or they're going to vote on, on election day in person. So if uh, I haven't seen the national numbers, I've seen uh, some anecdotal numbers, from, so I can draw. I'm, I'm drawing some deduction. I'm deducing here. Right. Um, right. Biden is killing it with mail-in voting, and Biden is going to get killed on election day. Interesting. Uh, the question okay. mark is is the in between, and the question mark further question mark. You know, Cliff talks about uh, uh, the election being suppressed. Let's. Let's just forget about the manipulation of uh, actual ballots. And I think there's enough anecdotal evidence out there that suggests there was some of that in 2016. What could happen, Bloomberg had a big story about this, and it kind of got beaten up a little bit, but I do think there's some truth to it. There are going to be places, um, not, not the least of which being 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, where they're going to want to call the election on election day when... Right they see that the votes that have been counted, which will predominantly be in-person election day votes, are going to show the Republican uh, winning. And, and, you know, and the uh, exit and, polls are going to show all Republicans correct. voting in the Democrats that because is, the Democrats exactly already voted right. by mail. Right. That's exactly yeah. right. So, right. So there is going to – now, I do right. know the guys over at Edison who do the exit polling, and there's going to be – I believe I read this that, – that, that they do try to take into account – people who voted by mail. So it's not just like these poll guys with clipboards standing outside precincts. It's also yeah. getting the, 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 the opinions of people who, uh, who have already voted in advance. We're going to know on going into election day what hmm. a lot of these spreads are. And it's going to be really important to watch for those discrepancies. You know, I, I, a friend of mine asked me a couple of weeks ago, what would be the one piece of advice that you gave to the Biden campaign to guarantee that they would win. And, you know, there's no silver bullet for anything. But what I, right. I, I gave, I said, I gave him three words, lawyers, lawyers, lawyers. Yeah. Uh, because this is going to be fought in every state. 
Uh, it has implications not just for the presidency, but don't forget, Democrats have 46 seats in the Senate. We need to get to 51. The polling suggests mm-hmm. we can get there pretty easily if the votes are counted. Right. Right. Can, can um, I, let, let me put a finer point on your argument before it get before you finish and then it goes to Cliff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what you are actually saying is that election night, there could be a, you know, uh, whatever avalanche of votes for Trump. The early voting shows are actually, you know, 99 percent of the ballots counted, not including mail in ballots. Showed well, Trump exactly right. Overwhelmingly. And Trump says I Trump declares victory. And he then will. the Let's next day. He will. He will. The next he will. day yeah. or two. And now, mind you, the pundits and everybody say, well, that's not necessarily true. And Trump says, see, they're trying to steal it. And then a day or two later or longer, even worse if it's longer, absentee votes are counted and all of a sudden Trump no longer wins. And now it becomes, well, for two weeks I had won Florida and Pennsylvania and, Mich- it, it and Wisconsin. And now yeah. they, they cheat. Remember I told you the bail-in ballots would cheat and steal the election? They just did. Yeah. I, look, I am not – I am not a um... – uh, I, I don't, I'm not an alarmist. Uh, I tend to have a pretty level head about most things. Uh, there is a small but not insignificant percentage that uh, we're looking at a non-peaceful, non-transfer of power. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we're because all does anybody think? Yeah, because I don't think Trump wants to win the election. I think he wants to undermine the election. I want. I, he wants to hold on to power. And those are two related but different things. I think a lot of us are trying to brush up and learn on what the role is of various government organizations. You know, oh, it's messy. It's if he is officially not the you know declared the winner, if he's declared the loser, then you know what does the Secret Service do because it's no longer technically his house? And you know, and I don't know the answers to all of that, but I mean, we may have to have somebody. It's, it's a it's the rabbit hole, dude. Because then you start talking about. If the Electoral College can't certify or, or declare a winner, then it goes to Congress. But it's it's a vote by state, not by seats. It's well, that's it, what works. It, the state legislatures crazy. Make and they yeah. have in most of the swing states we're talking about. In fact, maybe in all of them, they control the state legislatures. Yeah, I don't think it goes to the state legislatures. I think it actually it, it stays in Congress. But rather than. 435 votes to determine who's the president it actually oh, I, goes right you're talking about if it I goes to you. like the representatives within each state so it's it's and you can now you're talking about split back you, you're talking about like a, a republican president and a democratic vice i mean it's 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 incredibly complicated the best thing we can hope for is that uh on election day it is sufficiently close that Trump doesn't have an obvious path or reason to declare victory and that we then right. have a couple of days where the rest of the votes are counted. You know, this is this fight's playing out right now. You look at a place like Michigan where there's there are legislative battles right now in their state <clears throat> legislature about yeah. whether or not they can start counting those mail in ballots early. Um, well, that's why I would say to people to vote as early as your state allows you. Absolutely. To. Absolutely. Democrats should be encouraging that everywhere. Get there, vote early, because the more the votes that we have banked before actual yeah. election day, the 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 closer it will be, and the less yeah. chance that this goes off the rails. And then we're paying for uh, snow and tornadoes and a couple of minor but disconveniencing earthquakes across the country on November third. Right. Right. Very sort of strategically hmm. placed. 
you know, something happened. There's some sort of uh, a dust up in Nebraska or Oklahoma. That seems. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want anybody. You to get know, hurt. South Carolina sits on a fault line. I mean, it's not implausible. They had an earthquake. I, a couple I still time. have hope that we're getting a senator from from your your home state, Jason. So yeah, I'm not, I would not. I would not. Uh, I wouldn't bet the mortgage on that. I wouldn't either. And I like. I'm and, I, and I like Jamie Harrison. I, Jamie Harrison is my first direct political contribution in 15 years. Jamie Harrison is an all-around fantastic candidate who in any in a, in a swing, a real swing state or a lean blue state would win. He's he's up against it in South Carolina. And I, as I've told people on this show before, there's like the keys, there's that first level of swing states that are, you know, lean blue or, you know, lean, slight lean red or in the middle, that second level or so swing states. Yeah, it's you know, right. And South Carolina is like Missouri- you know, Montana, these places where the only reason why it's in single digits right now is because that's how bad Trump is performing. Right. It's but, all about this. It's all about the size of the wave. If it's a little yeah. wave, we're, it's not going to be a good night. If it's a big wave, it, we could be talking about a total realignment. Yeah. I mean, we could be talking about 8, 10, 12 Senate wins. Seriously, if yeah. it has to be that kind of a wave. I'm not saying people I expect that. I, I, I'd love it. But I mean, I'm being realistic about what to expect. Right. At this point, take back the Senate and I'm happy. Everything else is nice, but gravy. Um, so what else do we have, John? Well, we've got, um, you know, the other big story I'd like to talk about, and then we can talk about some of the fun stuff like boat sinking, is... Um, Having a vaccine by the election. So Trump, in a rambling press conference yesterday, I gotta, I just gotta growl from the dog from below. Of course. Um, So Trump, in a in a rambling press conference yesterday, among other things, said, "And you know, I'm not saying there will be, but there might be big news on the vaccine front by a very special day. And you know what day that is? He literally, I'm quoting almost can't help himself from like making obvious what I mean. He's Tying Go the ahead. vaccine's production to the election. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, so I was watching CNN this morning and they uh, might have been Sanjay Gupta on, but they were talking about Pfizer and how – hello. Enjoying your – noise there? Is that <laughs> yeah. you, Jason? You making noise? Oh, I slid my chair. Sorry about that. That's oh, right. it sounded like you licked the microphone. It was like <laughs> – We don't do that in the podcast, my, uh, Jason. I know the yeah, kind of podcast you're used to going yeah. on. We're a little different. Here. <laughs> what are you? What are you wearing, Jason? I know. We don't. Our podcast is nothing like those 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 shows that Donald Trump would go to with Michael Cohn in Vegas. Okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jason's going to owe us one hundred thirty thousand dollars by the time this is over. Exactly. Um, so anyway, I was say, oh the uh, so the uh, vaccine by the election. So Gupta was explaining. I think it was Gupta on CNN that Pfizer in Germany says that their numbers are doing so well that the efficacy of the vaccine and the safety of the vaccine seems to be so good that now mind you one thing that worried me right away is the guy was talking about in animals he said well in animals it's been really effective and i'm watching going okay no one jumped in and said well, okay do we yes yeah, i heard that snort there do we maybe need to see is it always safe in animals therefore safe in people right. but in any case right. it's been it's been or and, and the efficacy it's been working so well that they may approve it by mid october they're claiming in germany now Let's see if that's the case. And, you know, a lot of us are not too thrilled about any vaccine that, that's, that's rushed. But um, the question still becomes getting it up, getting it uh, distributed. There was a really nasty, good, nasty CNN story yesterday about how 
just like earlier with with the uh, blood test with the tests for the virus they don't have enough needles they don't have enough plastic parts for whatever the syringes are going to have that we might need two vaccines per person rather than one right uh hpv vaccine needs three shots for example right some some vaccines you need a a, a double shot it's not clear how long it's going to take for all of us to get the shot and if the vaccine is say say it's 50 percent which is the bottom line they'll do, the lowest uh, effective. That means one in two people who get the vaccine, it works. One in two, it doesn't work. You won't know which one you are. So are you going to really be comfortable going to movies, going on airplanes, going and visiting senior mom? With a, even if it's a seventy percent effective, you've got a one in three chance of getting mom. Not getting mom sick, much but more than that. Risking. I thought before they released it, right? Right. I mean, it's supposed to be like. Hugely much more effective. Well, no, it's were. it's it, well, actually, what what they were saying, Cliff, is they are shooting for seventy percent or above. But the WHO, World Health Organization, has said fifty percent effective and above they would accept. So you right. are correct. It depends who you talk to. But even if it's seventy percent, that means one in three practically getting the shot. Now, here's my question to you guys, right? One in three chance that you getting the shot will not protect you to go visit your elderly mom or dad. Would you do it or would you wait to visit mom nope. and dad? Nope. I, would, I would not one in three. I wouldn't. I'm not <laughs> taking it. No, but yeah. You know? Yeah, we're talking, guys, we're not, we're talking about, so I happen to be, uh, uh, I happen to be uh, an elderly I, mom. I, Sorry. Uh, I, I am, I'm seeing someone who works at NIH. So we talk okay. about this a lot. And, you know, the fact that these things are supposed to take time because you're ultimately talking about injecting a, uh, a drug into a, into a healthy human. The fact that uh, this has been so rushed that uh, we have skipped a lot of the protocols that you would expect to see from this process, that the FDA and the CDC have both been highly politicized. You're, you're, the, the, the scenario you laid out, John, is a scenario that is predicated on a vaccine that actually will not kill me. Right. Uh, forget about whether or not it's effective. So, I mean, and look, and this, this and this, to the extent that this is a political thing, which obviously is, you've got a Democratic ticket that's split on this. Biden says he'll take the vaccine. Kamala says she won't. Um, there is no way. And I, and I will. I'm showing my true colors here. There is no way I'm going to take a vaccine that is certified by this president's FDA. No, I mean, seriously, not, not a chance. Yeah. No, I mean, and again, it's really a shame because this is beyond politics. This is the stuff that where I try to talk to people, you know, about things and say, you know, this is this is beyond the normal kind of back and forth of politics, that this person has proven themselves to be such an awful and dishonest human being. I mean, would you I mean, a lot of people at this point have put their life and put their trust uh, for their lives in his hands. Like that young woman who spoke at the Democratic Convention from Arizona who said her dad trusted Donald oh, Trump. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, got COVID yeah. and died. I yeah. mean, you know, military officers have been sent to war without, you know, were sent to die in Yemen in places without him even thinking twice about it. He he doesn't care about other human beings. We're pawns to him. We're 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 part of that transactional nature of his, where we exist to get him what he wants for him. So think about that before you ever trust a damn thing that. And, and you've seen, by the way, that, that how he's politicized every you know independent organization under him. Some have fought back. Some have tried to resist. But I mean, we've already seen the FDA making ridiculous claims and then having the law come back. So no, I, I mean, especially right when it comes out, there's absolutely no way I would trust it. I would, I would wait and see what happens for a while before right. I trust any damn thing that comes from him. 
because right. that's not about the election. That's about my the health of myself and my family. How would I trust him? Yep. yep. The people will, John, the people. So I think the vaccine <clears throat> news um, will help him a little bit. I don't think it's going to help him enough with audiences whose trust in him has so has been so deeply undermined that they're going to vote against him. Um, so there, you know, the, the, there's the medical side of this, obviously. And if, by the way, if it's coming from Germany, I'm going to trust it a little bit more uh, than right. if it's. But I also have a lot more trust trust in Angela Merkel than I do in right. Donald Trump. So I, you know, right. I don't I don't think that she's going to send us something, a that would kill us, or b that would help him. Right. Not to mention, she also was a chemist in her profession. So oh, well, yeah. she, that's interesting. Right. Yeah, she's a scientist. Right. So uh, yeah. I trust her only slightly more than him, and by that I mean about ten million thousand hundred. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we live we live in the day and age hmm. where a Jew can profess uh, their public love for a German leader. Yeah, and you know, I was just thinking of how funny that is. We're, we're in a day when <laughs> when, when, a, when yeah. a Jew would trust a German leader to to give them some sort of a shot in their arm. <laughs> before they would trust yeah, the American true. president. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that for a second. How oh fucked my. up that is. Oh my. <laughs> That's what Donald Trump has done to this country. Oh, oh boy. man. Um, do we have, let's see. So boats sinking, John. That's a fun story you wanted to talk about. I think you should say something. <laughs> well, kind of. A, I don't know. It's, a, it's an ironic story. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Maybe fun is a bit too evil. I mean, nobody but, um, died, so I'm sorry. I'm going to say died. If a bunch of assholes ignored the law, which they did. They got in too close proximity on yep. waters and caused damage to each other's boats, so they sank. It's kind of like them not wearing masks and not believing in climate yep. change and thinking guns are fun to play with in their yep. home with their kids. You ignore science, you pay the fucking price. I'm sorry. They were, and they were, by the way, it was another Trump boat parade. Trump's now having these boat parades where all these right-wingers with boats all get together, a thousand of them together on the lake, and they fly their flags and, in this case, I guess, run into each other in choppy weather and knock each other down. But yeah, a number <laughs> of boats think- sank this weekend. Sorry? Do you think there's like Trump boat parade envy from the masses of like Midwestern poor white voters who thought who thought for sure that Trump was going to help them? Do you think they, that they look at these boat parades and are like, what the fuck? I don't have a boat. My boat's smaller than his boat. I mean, let me say one <laughs> thing that's interesting. Somebody did tweet an interesting statistic that one in 10 Americans have a boat, which is interesting. I was so it it probably depends though what the boats are if they're if they're you know rednecks in in little fishing boats you know little like rowboats or whatever a little motorboat then that might actually make people go yeah great if it's guys with their big rich boats then mm, might not might not go over so well I guess it depends but 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 I think Jason was referring to in what he said there was sort of uh, less economically robust midwestern white men and they would tend to not yes, have as big boats well maybe no no or not as big of boats but they might maybe they've got little like just a little fishing boat and what I mean is like that little boat we use when we go to Canada I don't even know what you call them just a little boat that you put the outboard motor on a schooner I don't know, but you know what I mean? Just a little fishing boat you'd go with dad when you were a kid where you put the motor on the outside and it's got two planks you know, for you to sit on, right? I don't, I don't know what yeah. you call it either. I, so, I don't know, you know, but it's – it's in any case, the boats did sink and, and a number of people have been saying, and I retweeted it, but the thing somebody else came up with at first was, I like boats that don't sink. 
which I thought was a, which I thought was a fabulous, it was a fabulous line. Um, and then somebody else pointed out the metaphor, which I retweeted last night. Somebody pointed out and said, is this just not like a whole metaphor of the Republican Party where like the big boats are actually taking the little boats down? <laughs> they're not rising. They're actually sinking the little boats. Yeah. Oh, that's a tide kills all the little boats. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, a rising exactly a, a sinking a sinking boat kills all the little boats. But yes, yeah. anyway. we uh, we were driving we were driving back from the Outer Banks, uh, <laughs> and we drove past. This is what North Carolina or this is yes. North this is North Mr. Carolina. Mr. East Coast speak back. Outer Banks. I'm an East Coast. I'm yeah. an East Coaster. Sorry. So we're OBX. driving back, and we sorry uh, OBX. That's right. So uh, I have one of those highly obnoxious OBX uh, metallic stickers on your car. Uh, stickers on my car now. Yeah, because right. I wanted to be part of the cool club. Uh, but we saw one of these Trump parades, um, and two weeks earlier, I had taken my kids down to Lake Anna, Virginia, and we saw a number of these boats kind of gathering with the big Trump signs. And it's amazing. You look at these guys, and if you were, if you were just an alien and you'd beam down to this planet, you, could, you would draw some really interesting conclusions. One, that uh, there's, no, there's no disease, right? Uh, that there's there's really nothing to see here, uh, and that two there's a lot of compensating going on because these Trump flags are huge, huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like there's no. Yeah. It's not like a. It's not like a polite little yard sign or a Subaru covered with stickers going back to like 1968. It's like massive, massive. Like we saw these big trucks, these big. Uh, you know the ones that you see on like. ESPN eight on Sunday night at, you know, 1230 in the morning. And the, the, they would have like a Trump flag and a, and a huge American flag flying from, I think Democrats need to buy trucks. I think that's what the message is here. I think there need to be more Democrats with trucks and maybe do that. Let's get some trucks, man. Drive them around with Biden, you know, trucks for Biden. Yeah. I went to one of those things once. I seem to recall when I was younger, one of those truck things. It was weird. They're so awesome. Where the big they're trucks are awesome. fighting each other and the, everything catches on yeah. fire. And it was, yeah. Those are trucks. Yeah, it, was, people, it was interesting. Except not yeah. at all. <laughs> he, could <laughs> well, not care, the, he could not care less about them. But isn't that what drives you crazy with all of this? Is that Trump, tr- Trump, that's a good name for him. Trump actually, that's actually, actually like is, that. I mean, Trump is a redneck, right? And I, but I mean that in a bad way, by the way, too. Not like he's a regular guy, but he's a, blue collar, not very educated guy who's never going to be any different, but he thinks he's a really rich guy and he's not. I mean, he may have money, he may not. We don't really know, right? But but he he thinks he's like this sophisticated rich guy. He even said yesterday, one of the things he said in his press conference was he was talking about, I forget the exact quote what it was, but he was somehow lauding himself. And he was talking about, you know, my friends, I have a lot of friends, my, my sophisticated friends actually think blah 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 and he was like you're like your sophisticated friends in contrast so to his regular trashy. friends that's he's what i mean so it's it, it's like who would everything say about that? him but is the, so gauche but the so irony like, is he doesn't like trashy people is the irony though so right. like, he's not a blue collar working class family that's not afraid of being roseanne not roseanne but the character roseanne you know like where they're right. blue collar and they're kind of you know but they're great americans he hates those people but he kind of is those people too. And so well, because they are they are a stark they are a stark reminder yeah. of who he actually is. And he hates that's why he hates them. He, except they've got the good qualities and he doesn't. Right? right. They've His, got the, the sort of the, the, the deal. Tony Schwartz is always pointing that out. He's like, right. 
deep down, Trump knows he's nothing, which is which also explains to you why he hates troops, because they sacrificed for something and he can't fathom it. And it reminds him of how he was a wimp and wouldn't go to Vietnam. And I think that has a lot to do with why he, he hates you know, troops who died too, because they remind him of of, of the, his dishonor. And I think it's the same thing there is that, you know, he always wanted to be in Manhattan when he grew up in Queens, you know, with his dad, the slumlord, and always wanted to be the, 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 the white collar real estate developer, the glitzy guy who all the big name people loved and was invited and that he always was trashed and they always found him to be a sideshow. And he was never invited to those kinds of parties he wanted to go to and all that stuff. And that just led him that much to be that much more determined to, to, to prove himself. And yet, because he can't, he doesn't understand how to do that. He just drives himself further into a hole of where now he, now he's gotten to a point where at least before he ran for president, you know, people with some wealth and whatever would stay at some of his properties and things like that. Now everybody boycotts him, all the people he wants to be around. And he's stuck with all the people who like him, who he can't stand. It's, Kind of ironic and, and in a way, a just uh, punishment. Yep. Anything else on this topic, boys? <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, I'm trying to think. There, there's, you know, maybe the, I'm looking here really quick. I think the last, yeah, maybe the last thing to bring up really quick. No, you know what? Screw Justice Dems. I'm tired of them. We're not going to talk about them. I want to talk about one last thing. Let's not give them the ink. Let's not even give it to them and forget it. And, you know, yeah. And there was whatever. So maybe what I would like to close with is there was a video going around of Trump finishing a press conference the other day. And whether the video is from the other day or not, it doesn't matter. He's on the White House lawn and the helicopter's helicopter's in the background. And Trump Actually, this was not – people said it was a year old. It's not a year old because Trump was uh, talking about Biden, basically suggesting Biden had dementia again, right? And he finishes saying Biden's got dementia in so many words, right? He just he's – not, he's not up to his game anymore. Something's going on. And he finishes and he turns around and kind of starts walking to the helicopter and then stops and then turns and starts walking on the grass for a bit and then stops and turns the other way. And he gets in front of a puddle. He's like, look, puddle. And then he, exactly, he stops some... at a puddle and looks at it almost like – exactly like, what is this body of water, right? Well, so a number of us are sharing it because Trump's being a dick, so we'll be a dick about him. It looked like he was you know, cognitively confused. Cliff, first of all, a number of trolls clearly – clearly the Trump trolls weighed in. The number of people I had right away writing going, that's not fair. I'm not necessarily a Trump supporter, but that video is doctored. And they all, by the way, said the same thing, and I'm going, uh-huh. Well, then Tom Nichols or whatever, they, you know, Republican – but anti-Trumper weighs in. Then a bunch of the real Trump support, the real Democrats I know, start weighing in. Everyone is freaking out about this video because if you look at the, mind you, the video didn't include him calling, saying Biden had dementia a second before he looked confused because the video didn't show in the end, he puts his hand out and Melania joins him. So they're trying to say he wasn't confused. He was waiting for Melania. The video clearly showed Trump turn around Start to walk to the helicopter, then turn again. Basically, I think he forgot his wife was coming with him. He for, that is the story, John. Bingo. That is he the forgot, story. He I, forgot his wife. Yeah, that whole thing just yeah. made me uncomfortable because, but they, I mean, there's, but, look, there's the whole, like, making fun of people who are cognitively on de- in their decline, which I'm, I'm not totally comfortable with. 
but he totally forgot about his wife. He forgot about his wife. And then he tried to fake it. So what he, I wish I could do the voiceovers like other people do because literally, Cliff, he turns to the helicopter and you can see him go, get me the fuck away from these BDP. I'll go to the helicopter. <laughs> and then he stops and there's a microsecond when he goes, oh, fuck, Melania. So he turns, but then he doesn't see Melania. So he starts walking on the grass and then turns one way, turns the other, and then sees Melania in the distance. He goes, okay, I'll go to her. And literally looks down. He's like, oh, fuck, puddle. Now, mind you, the puddle was only like three like a, feet wide. Like it, it wasn't exactly a squirrel. It wasn't exactly like God's biggest puddle. On the, it was a three-foot puddle. And he stops and looks at it and then like reaches across the puddle to Melania. He Jump. was he was messed up. <laughs> but what pissed me off is the number. I'm still getting him this morning. The number of people. It's not fair. We shouldn't do that's the kind of thing he'd do. We shouldn't do that. I swear to God. People like and people we ask why Cliff and I ask on the show why Democrats, you know, don't seem and, to win the message wars. And, and I get Jason, you're a little uncomfortable with that. So am I. I don't like doing it. And yet at the same time, if he's going to make this an issue, at the very least, it's the job of, of all of us who view ourselves as, as being surrogates in some form because we have a platform somewhere to make sure that that we that that message does not work for him by muddying it and pointing out what clear, clearly seems to be an issue with him. Yes. You know, and I, I do that. I'm sorry. I do stuff like that when it comes to his health overall, his weight. Is the rest of it that I would not do with anybody else. But if he's going to make, you know, physical and mental health an issue here when he can't even walk down a fucking ramp without holding on to somebody, I'm, I'm, that, that one I retweet, I push that out and all the time. That one of him basically walking like he looks like an 102-year-old man. Down shimmying the down the ramp, yeah. I, well, because you have to show that, though, but then show Biden running up the same that's ramp. That's what I do. And again, I, yeah. I wish we didn't have to go there, and I don't. it's not a place I'm completely comfortable. But I'm not going to let my lack of full comfort with it do anything, and not right. to claim that I've got a microphone big enough to change anything, but every, all of us together do. And if everybody decides not to do it and let him get away with this shit, and we <laughs> lose because he's clearly making things up about Biden that aren't true, and we don't respond in kind, then you know we don't deserve the democracy we have. We can't let him lie his way to getting reelected. So that's my 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 take on it. I, I don't. I'm not comfortable with the fat jokes either. But when you know his when he when he went after Joe today or Eric Trump did, you know, like low energy Joe. Blah, 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 I'm like, does this look like a, a, somebody who has lots of energy to you? And I tweeted out one of these bloated pictures where Trump looks like a fucking balloon on the golf course. And I'm sorry. I'm going to do stuff like that because as far as I'm concerned, it's a messaging war and I'm not handing it over to a liar. Yep. That's my take. I think he just dropped his mic. I heard it drop in the back. It dropped. Exactly. Boom. As as we said to to former, you know, or whatever she considers herself now, but certainly former Republican, still relatively conservative, Amanda Carpenter, who was on our show last time, who we both like and get along with and whatever, we look forward to getting to back to the times I, I only could, I would dream of this, where, you know, 20 years ago, where there'd be an argument between the center left and the center right on policy, progressives and conservatives based upon policy, that we all accepted the same facts that, you know, global warming is a problem. Well, you guys want to do it in a more market-based way. You want cap and trade. We want a carbon tax, or maybe we meet somewhere in the middle, blah, blah, blah. That's what I want. You know, I want the Dick Lugers right. and the Boinovichs, the people like that back who are thoughtful and I disagreed with and would argue with. But as of right now, if they're going to play this game to get back there, Trump can't win again and spend another four years right. getting Americans killed and assaulting the truth. You know, I mean, I feel pretty strongly about that, obviously. 
So there you go. I'm with you. There you <clears> go. <throat> nope. Uh, any closing ideas, comments, et cetera, Jason? Otherwise, we're booting you and we're booting ourselves as well. <laughs> no, this is this is great. I um uh, I I don't think we talk enough about the polls. I mean, not at a at a substantive level. I mean, I think you know, we love the horse race question, and then we walk away. But there's some shit. There's some stuff happening right now. Right. And well, is there, uh, I mean, is there anything we missed that you want to mention real quick, or no? Was there? Are you no, saying we in no, general? No, no, I, I, no. I think we, the collective conversation, you know, in the media uh, and in the social tube, the intertube, you know, it's about the horse race, and I think we ignore the fact that there are fairly large groups of people who've just had a, who've just fucking had enough and yeah, right. you the, mm-hmm. and the messaging needs to i think the mess the way the party talks about ourselves and the way we talk about um our opponents i i think needs to reflect that a little bit um i i love cliff because he's the bulldog today that he was 20 years ago when we met and he's uncompromising and he's not going to change who he is and that's awesome um but i do know that there there are a lot of people out there who are going, who, who have put their votes up um, for the highest bidder. Uh, and I think they're going to be, right. uh, I, I do think that they're going to be people who, who will just get turned off by the negativity and not vote. But different from 2016, I do think that the negativity will net net help us. Um, I'm just glad that there are people like Cliff out there doing it. So Well, and to be clear, social media strategy is different than, you know, what you'd put in ads yeah, on TV, totally. you know, I mean, of course, right? of course. So, I get again. You know, it's important. I think we need to win messaging wars, and 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 wherever they're fought, and they're fought in different arenas, and we have to understand how to best win them in each of those places. The last thing I'll say, and and is I'm going to be really interested to see, because usually in my experience, and again, Jason, you know more than me, so so shut me down if I'm wrong. But my experience, it's been when there's saturation coverage of an event that is negative for one side. That usually it takes a few days after that for it to fully register. And I'm not sure we, we're done yet with the negative saturation cycle on Trump because of the military stuff. Right. Um, you know, Michael Cohn's book is out, and there's even a few of the anecdotes like that in his book. So uh, I'm interested to see if it really is, as Jason says, the turning point because a bunch of these kinds of double haters and other groups that kind of are like, well, maybe I just won't vote or maybe I'll vote for Trump but hold my nose. It, you know, if those folks will change, there's enough of them around the margins in enough states that could change things. And I don't think we'll know the real impact for another week or two, perhaps. So. Maybe. Well, I, yeah, let's look for polls in a week and see what impact there's been. Yeah, maybe um, you know, even by the end of this week, you know, I mean, honestly. Yeah, I mean, look, I it, took, it took two weeks for the conventions to be over for us to see whether or not there was any impact. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think what is today? Today's Tuesday. I think by Monday or Tuesday of next week, start to, you'll start to look at the polls and see if you're seeing, there'll be subtle shifts, but you'll see, you'll see them. And, you know, remember, look at the collective, not the individual polls. Actually, quick question on the way out. Was there any impact in the end from the conventions and the polls? No. No, really. There were That's there were some, there were like a little. There were a couple of like sort of competing tightenings, uh, but if you look at the average today as compared to a month ago, Biden has the same plus seven, plus eight, plus nine. What's average, up with that uh, advantage? I mean, what what I mean is usually, um, if this is for both, usually you'll see a big. Ju- well, that's what I was wondering, because usually after each convention, you get a big jump, but and then sometimes it can even out, but at least each person gets a big jump. First the Dems, then the Republicans, or whatever. They were um, nearly a big and, event, and the saturation coverage matters, John, will be one thing. I they were say. easier. Like, the Democratic one was easier to watch. Even the Republican one was easier to watch yeah. in its own oh, sickening uh, way. I would say that. Uh, but I, mean, I, I thought I, they were easier to watch. 
They were right. easier to watch if you were willing if you were willing to sit down in front of your computer and do it. Uh, and so I think that hmm. the nature of the people who would sit there and watch something on their computer, those are generally more high information voters anyway. Low and information be, voters all day, right? I mean, there were four right. yeah. days and, all day. Yeah. These things were cut in half because of this. I just it didn't. I don't think the impact was going to be as large because it wasn't as big. I also would be interested if the fact that Trump is already so defined in a way that almost nobody ever. That's what is, I'm wondering. That, That's what I was wondering. That, you yeah. know, and I think because I think to some degree Biden, you know, I'm not saying he couldn't gain another point or two or, or whatever, but he's already, as Jason was pointing out to, is maxing out on a lot of this already. You know, and and Trump seems to have is even though he has a floor that upsets us because there shouldn't be, there seems to also be a ceiling with him. You know what I mean? I mean, so, I mean, I don't know. I, it, that, it, from what I saw, Biden gained one point on average and then Trump gained two on average. And now I think we're back to where we were, back to where we were, which so, is good for us. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's about an eight to nine point race nationally, yeah. which puts us four to five points or more up in most of the swing states we, we need. And that's in the end what matters. Oh. Shit, I know we've gone along. One final topic. I'm sorry, but, th- but I know somebody's going to say, we didn't even talk about the fact that Trump campaign's like almost out of money after spending $800 million. Oh, God, that's so beautiful. It's so yep. beautiful. And, and, and there, were, there was a, a corroborating story this morning hmm. on the original story that suggested that he was out of money. And, but to me, the best part of this whole story is, what, is why he's broke. Because of Brad Parscale's three, like- three Ferraris? Well, maybe there's two reasons then. One, he just gave all his money to Brad Parscale. Uh, but he's spending all of his money on litigation. Yeah, a lot of it's because he's defending himself in courts with all his yeah. donors' money because they're such fucking – talk about who the real suckers are. Those are the suckers, people that are giving money and he's paying – yeah, so I mean a lot of it's the litigation. A lot of it's because Brad Parscale, probably because some of his companies were hired, spent like a – I don't think Drunken Sailor does it justice. They spent so much money on TV. Now, granted – they were, That's what Ed Rollins, were, Ed Rollins called it a drunken sailor. There you go. They well, were you, you saw what Parscale said, but you said what Parscale said today. He, I don't know if he tweeted it or if, or if it was an, no. a, a quote from a story, but he said the Trump campaign approved everything I spent. They did, yeah. but they don't know what they're doing. And here's the deal: yeah. you take somebody who's who's like literally was a guy that was doing like websites for like apartment buildings or whatever he was doing before Trump <laughs> found it, and you put him in charge of a, of a national campaign. That's to begin with. Who doesn't know what he the fuck is doing? And then on top of that, um, you know, you you approve all this, put all this money out there, you, you know, and then you add in that Trump, there were so many places that he needed to fight to shore up. He's been on the air doing ads in Missouri, Montana, Iowa, places that we were supposed to have no shot in, not to mention Texas, Georgia, Ohio, which we still actually could win. So the the some of it makes me want to have fun blaming Brad Parscale and saying he was just pocketing money. I'm sure, although I'm sure these are all, like there's no one answer as usual. I'm sure it's all of this stuff. Part of it was probably Brad Parscale got wanted to get rich, and part of it was just part of it's Trump's using it on on his campaign on his uh, legal bills, and part of it's probably that they're that they were in danger of losing places that Republicans never lose, and they had to shore themselves up by having the air to themselves. They're still only up according to recent polls, four points in Montana, five in Missouri. So I mean, these are places that he won by 19, 20 points last time. So, I mean, it's probably all of it, but, but, and then you add that on top of, by the way, that Biden just broke the record double. The, $330 the million. Yeah. Holy like shit. Whatever it was. Oh my God. 
Like that's it. So, I mean, I, that's an important, I think, measure of where this race is too, is that Jason pointed out, they just pulled all their ads from Phoenix, which makes you think they may be giving up on Arizona. Biden's going to be up in Arizona the next month and have the airwaves to himself. They can't possibly go back out. They have nothing reserved right now until October in Arizona, in, in the Phoenix right. market, anyhow, right. which, is, which is like 60 to 70% of Arizona. Amazing. Right. So we hope. Keep it going, kids. Fight every vote. Hey, fellas, um, thanks for having me on the show. This is great. This thanks is for joining Thank us, you. man. I'm always happy to come on and talk numbers and get nerdy and, you know, throw out the occasional F-bomb because I can. We will have you for all of that in the future because yes. we'll need F-bombs right and we'll need numbers and nerdiness. We need those uh, awesome. sp- speak Speak nerdy to me, Jason. Exactly. Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> all right, just don't ever ask me again when I'm wearing jumpers. We'll just, we'll, yes, I'll just, I'll just imagine. <laughs> All right. I'm getting a little, feel the third wheel this year. I got to be honest with you. Uh, awesome. Take care, Jason. All right. Bye, Jason. All right, guys. All right, All right guys. Uh, good show. It's Tuesday. So as always, we'll be back Thursday or Friday, depending what goes on with the news. Whatever. Uh, it'll be a lot. All right. Figure out what works. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.